Welcome, welcome to the fourth episode of Thoughts of In The Journey podcast. I'm your host, Sharina Carstens, and this week's topic is the uncomfortable truth about change, part two. Topic being emotions. I want to start with thanking every single person who has joined for this episode and the episodes before this one. Um, We are on a journey. (laughs) We are on a journey. And I'm so grateful to each and every person that listens to it, shares it, tells their friends, comments. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I hope we can continue to um, grow this village because I'm really looking forward to the future of this podcast. So this week's episode is actually part two to the uncomfortable truth of change. So you'd probably notice that there was a gap from the last time when I did the last one to now. And that is simply because, you know, life happens, you know, life happens. I had a lot going on work-wise and just trying to juggle mum life and everything. And in honesty, um, I didn't have the brain space you know, I already knew in my head what I was going to do, but I didn't have the brain space to be able to give you guys what I really want to give you, you know, and most of all, I want to give you truth, but second of all, I want to give you good energy, you know, and, you know, that's a sign to someone out there, you know, if you're tired and, you know, life is bogging you down a bit and there's a lot going on, it's okay to take a break or to pause or to do whatever it is to make sure that, you get your mental well-being back up to par so that you can be the best asset to yourself first and then to everybody else second, especially if you're like me, where your job in the world is to give, you know? So the uncomfortable truth about change part two. I decided that this time um, we would sort of talk around um, emotions. So the previous um, podcast was really about you know, the what, the how, the why, why you should change, what you should do. Now, I did have some questions on this podcast from some people asking me and telling me that, you know, Srini, you make it look so easy, you know, in the different um, changes and transitions in your life, you know, it's okay for you because you're strong and um, you're, you're able to do it. You've got all the answers. And the truth is, I don't. Literally, I'm learning as I go along and I'm learning as and when I hit that situation. And something that I don't feel we talk about enough is why the change is so hard for us in depth. So some people will blame it on, I don't want to change because I'm comfortable. I don't want to change because um, I'm connected to this thing. I don't want to change because... um, you know, what's on the other side of change? Who said it's going to be better than where I am? And then the other thing is some people don't want to change because of fear. As I had said in my previous podcast, a lot of the reasons I didn't want to change was simply because I don't like change. (laughs) It's simply that it boils down to, I've got myself in a set routine for something, whatever that might be. And I don't want to change it because that makes me feel unstable, makes me feel uncomfortable. You know, I don't have ownership over change, but I have ownership over a routine. You know, that was my kind of thing. And when I started to look into this for myself, I started to realize there was a deeper reason to why I personally didn't like change and why often a lot of the people that I meet 
Um, if you don't know, I run a mentorship. So I have many different clients, clients coming from different clientele. <laughs> and um, some of the reasons you hear as to why somebody doesn't want to change. The most generic thing I can say without people realizing that they're saying it is, is fear. They're worried about what is what is going to happen and what will that change look like. So let's step into one level of something that I've seen that has a huge impact on why somebody doesn't change. So in most everything that we do, we have an emotional connection to everything around us, everything and everyone in some form of way. And so when it comes time for us to have to disconnect from that thing, we find it hard. And the reason is because you place a certain value on that thing as to what it means to you and why it should be there. So for example, your dream was to get a dream car and you worked four jobs, you did what it took, you saved up and you got this car. And then you had this car for a short while and then unfortunately got in a car crash and your car was written off. And let's pretend that that particular car you couldn't get back again. Now, you wouldn't say, I can't believe I had a car crash because of the car crash. You're saying, I can't believe I had the car crash because you lost the car. <laughs> and it's that that feeling of something being taken away after you've put in so much, you know? So that's like one level of emotion. But then we have emotional attachments to things that we care about, people, you know? Um, if you like someone, a friend or whatever, you your emotional attachment is not just that you like them, it's your want to want to do things for them, it's your want for wanting them to do well in life, it's your want that nothing bad is going to happen to them, um, and should any of these things occur, you find yourself in dismay, you know, and that's simply because that thought process has been broken. So now, when change is being probed upon you, and you never expected this thing to happen, whatever that change is, it could be a breakup, it could be, um, you know, someone backbited you or um, you just found yourself in a very uncomfortable situation, you almost in that moment can't comprehend how this happened and why. Because in your mind, it was going to be perfect. (laughs) This friendship was going to be forever. This thing was going to last. And now that the circumstance has probed you to look into it in a different way, It takes a while for your mind to reprocess this and accept and acknowledge the new thing that you'll have to do. So when there's an emotional connection, this is why you will get that feeling of mourning when you've lost something, someone, or something ends abruptly because you just didn't see that coming, you know, and your mind doesn't prepare for those things. So if your if your mind wasn't prepared then it's like oh my god what happened and because in that moment there may not be answers a sudden death some you know someone you saw yesterday and then you woke up today and they've passed away you cannot piece together why these life 
circumstances happen, yeah? So then, because you can't create the story and you can't put the um, realisticness of what this means to you on it at that moment, it then turns into a feeling. And that can usually turn into anger, upset, you know, tears, um, because you can't interpret what this means to make it make sense to you, you know? And so on from there, there comes that level of asking questions. Why did it happen? Why then? They were such a nice person. Oh my God, I can't believe he cheated on me. You know, for blah years, he was such a great person. Whatever it took, you start to now ask questions that almost don't even make sense. Because the truth is, we have control over nothing when it comes down to it. We definitely don't have control over human beings because human beings do what the heck they want to do. Yeah. You only hope they'll be loyal. Friends, your mom, your dad, your sister, cousin, auntie, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You can only hope that they will give you the loyalty that you might give to them. But in truth, it, it might not be that way. And that's simply because in a split second, a human can make a decision and it can be detrimental. So just keep these things in mind as to when you're trying to cut something off. So let's talk about, for example, negative influences, friends. And you've, you've outgrown them. You've realised that some of the things that you used to do, you don't enjoy it anymore because that's not who you are. You, you've sort of come out your cocoon and you're grown into your little butterfly now. You feel guilty to cut them off because it's like, oh, but they've been my friends for blah years and we feel like we owe these people because they've been there. Something that I've come to realise is that years and time actually doesn't equate for anything because you could meet somebody two weeks ago who has more of an impact in your life than someone you've known for 50 years. So it's not the time you've known somebody. It's the value that they bring to your life. You know, so that's kind of one arena of emotions regarding different changes that can occur and different sporadic moments in life that we have to make a decision. And sometimes it's not easy. A lot of the time it's not easy because it's forcing us to um, allow our mind to think in a way that it probably wasn't thinking and making us feel very uncomfortable, you know. So just remember when you're trying to disconnect from something. The reason why it's harder is because you're emotionally attached. And in that emotional attachment, there is hope. There was love. There was um, longevity. And now that's been broken, it's almost it's hard for your mind to manifest what to do next. times do you look into the mirror down in what you feel how many times do you cry at night asking is this real i know the pain of starting again but failing's not an option option So off the back of emotion, 
there's another place that your change can be triggered by that a lot of people don't consider as well. And that's your memories. So all of your memories start off as a perception, how something is going to be, yeah? And then your memories are set up of sensations that travel to the hippocampus in the brain. If you want to imagine the hippocampus as a switchboard, so things come to the switchboard and then that switchboard decides where it's going to go. So in your within your memory, there is um, three main crucial stages. So you have long-term memory. Obviously, you remember things for a long time. You have short-term memory, which is more so your day-to-day um, remembering of things. And then the sensory stage. So this is where you feel. You, you remember something by a feel. Um, and how I can explain that is, for example, you might walk past someone and they have a fragrance on and it brings you back to when you were maybe five or two and you're like, oh, I remember that time. Because your senses picked up that smell at that time and captured that moment and held onto it. So go back to the um, hippocampus. So when your memory goes to the um, hippocampus switchboard, <laughs> in that place, it's going to be decided where it's going to be kept and whether, it, whether it's going to be kept or not, you know? If it is stored, it depends where. So it could either be the long-term memory, short-term memory, or the sensory stage. So when you think about triggers things that happen in our life so for example somebody could do something to you it could be a word could be a tone it could be um a smell it could be a laugh if in your hippocampus something has been stored that is very similar immediately a message will be sent there and says, oh, do you remember that time when, in 1904, when that thing happened to you? And obviously, if it's a happy memory, you're like, yes, I remember. You may smile, you may get that lovely warm feeling. But if it's a negative reaction, it's going to trigger you. And you'll most likely either outburst, shout, argue, and be angered. Um, you know, be really riled up. It just depends how it triggers you. Now, a lot of people don't remember these things. So imagine you're trying to change. Let's say you're trying to change your personality. Maybe there's something in particular within your personality that you don't like. Um, Maybe you're... Let me use me. So within my personality before... I didn't like that I used to get my back up a lot when I felt people were putting me down, for example. So someone might just be G-checking me, but I would see it that they're putting me down. When I traced where that trigger came from, that came from when I was younger and I was bullied in a time where I was never um, celebrated. I was never empowered. It was always put down, put down, put down. So my hippodrome, hippocampus, call it my hippodrome, my hippocampus held on to that memory. And then when I was older in my twenties and a particular would say a particular 
um, you might need to change that, Sharina, because immediately, trigger, hippocampus, tell me, who's, who was the person that said that thing to me back in, <laughs> you know, 20, whatever? Even though the person in this moment is actually doing it for my good, it brings back the memory of the person who did it when it was terrible. And now my reaction to the new person could be very defensive. And then that person's like, I'm just trying to help you. In my head, you're not helping me. Because <laughs> I'm triggered. <laughs> you know? And this reminds me of, I don't know, Stacy, who told me I was nothing. You're basically telling me I'm nothing. Who's done that before? <laughs> Ain't nobody said that. <laughs> and you're like, you're basically saying, you're basically... And you really over-exaggerate what they are actually saying. That is you um, projecting. It's you projecting. If you think of your eye and how vision works, it goes in, reflects out, and that's how you see. That's exactly how we project our emotions, our feelings, our triggers. It comes in, we, we, we take it on. And then we, we project it back out as to how we understand that, um, that situation, yeah? So this is how your memory works. So when you're trying to change, you're definitely going to come against some moments where you're going to get triggered because you're going to have to probably step into your past or step into the hippocampus and have a look at what's been stored there. And this also works for people who speak negatively to themselves, you know, self-sabotaging themselves. Maybe they self-sabotage because that's all they know. And every time they go to the hippocampus, that's all that's stored there. There's no positive there. There's no encouragement there. There isn't that one person that they can go into the center, into their switchboard and say, oh, but that one person told me one time, maybe it's true. Do you see? You see how important that if your memories that are stored are not healthy, how this can actually impact your every single action that you take in your life so you could kind of see how a cycle could easily keep going in a negative format if people don't g-check little steps like these that are so crucial so crucial because if you don't have a look at where it came from you also don't give yourself the opportunity to look at what has been stored in your brain. What has been stored in your memory box? What seed is growing the tree of who you are right now? Every single thought that you have had in your life has led you to the moment that you're in right now. Good or bad. So if you look at your life and you don't like it, several thoughts led you to this moment. Trust me, when I heard that for the first time, I was very triggered. I was like, what? <laughs> but when you look back, you realize, oh, wow. Wow. It's true, you know? So just to remember what emotion means. Emotion is a strong feeling deriving from one circumstance, mood or relationship with others. So just imagine if you're hoarding a bunch of negative memories and you're trying to create new relationships. 
And every time you're triggered, you think back to your old circumstances. You're never, ever going to move forward. And equally in your own life, outside of relationships, any kind of change that happens, if you're going to resist it, you're never going to be able to fully change, morph and fly. You know, I had an issue with change because when I was growing up, change was never asked to me. It was always just done. And I had to sort of go with it because I didn't have a choice. And I'm not talking about, you know, when you're a child and you can, you're supposed to have choices, but I'm talking about when I was in care and decisions were made for me, even if I wasn't happy with the decision, you know? So when I got older, I made it my duty that, you know what, I'm going to make my own decisions that make me happy, you know? But up until that point, I was so resistant to change because I was worried that I wasn't going to see the outcome that I hoped for. And that's where my resistance to change came from. So my emotional connection was all the way back to when I was five, even when I was 25, you know? So just remember that every single thought you have has an emotional connection to something. What are you emotionally connecting yourself to? Where are you emotionally connecting your thoughts? Are you connecting it to happiness? Are you connecting it to change? Are you connecting it to I need to be better? Or are you connecting it to I don't believe in myself? Are you connecting it to um, I'm not worthy? Are you connecting it to no, I, nobody believes in me so I don't believe in me? The truth is what you think about yourself is exactly what you'll project about yourself. In this life, you're going to have to fight to stay alive. But don't find yourself fighting the very thing that you need. You. Wow. So off the back of memories, I'm sure some of those things were a little bit shocking to you. So we're just going to roll quickly into um, habits. Habits and behaviour. So as you see, I kind of went into depth about memories um, and how they can almost keep you stagnant if you hold on to the wrong ones. Equally, um, your habitual behaviours can also be a reason that change does not occur or takes longer. Or if you listen to my very first podcast, um, then you'll see how we spoke about procrastination. So your habits... So if you say you want to become something, but you're doing nothing to become that thing, then you might as well just stop speaking. <laughs> because what exactly are you doing to make that happen? Habits is a behavior pattern that enables you to get in a routine to be able to do something or get closer to something, you know? So like, for example, I recently bought a plant and a lot of people know me that I'm not fantastic with plants. But I've made it my duty that I'm going to water her and make sure she grows. So I have to remember to water her if I want to see in you know a couple of months time that she's grown. I can't sit here and not water her for a couple of months and say, how come she hasn't grown? Or how come she looks dead? Right. So I'm going to have to implement a habit to make that happen. Yeah. So our habits tell a story really of our success because 
if someone doesn't have good daily habits, that often morphs into very sort of lazy behaviour or ad hoc things. You might be good for a moment, then you pause, or you might do one good thing a year, or you're just, you're just all over the place because you don't have a routine, you know? And I remember when I was younger, my grandma would say, just do a little a day. Don't do too much, just do a little a day. And it works. If you put one pea in a jar every single day and then look back at the end of the year, you'd probably be surprised of what you could, you know, add up. So it's just that that process of doing a little every day. Your habits tell a story about you, you know? So obviously when I done the first podcast, it was about procrastination and what holds us back. But also, if you're going to make procrastination be your excuse, change can't occur. We need to change that, <laughs> okay? Um, and our behaviour. Our behaviour is really a representation of how we feel and what happens to us. And depending how we process that information will really depend on what we project back at. So if I go to a, 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 an environment that is, you know, really fun, good high energy, um, there's some things within that location that I like, like good music, good laughter, possibly food, you know, then I'm on a high. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. I'm having a great time. And I'll go home. And if it's really good, I might even have that high for the rest of the week. Right? So then my behavior that week will be on a high. But then if unfortunately some things have happened in life, um, you know, how life tends to throw you these things, these little curveballs, then my behavior might change. My behavior might become withdrawn. My behavior might become slow. My behaviour might become lazy, you know? And our behaviour towards how we see change is really important. Because when I was resisting change, my behaviour was very dismissive of the things that I was supposed to be doing. My favourite quote was, I'll do it tomorrow, next week, next Tuesday, next Thursday. And you push it away because you hope that by the time when you get there, you'll have regained the energy to be able to do it. But the truth is it goes on and on and on. And I always say, for what you allow, sp- what you allow space will take place. So if I keep forcing it down the road because I don't want to do it, my energy towards saying I'll do it next Tuesday is not intentional. It's more so, let me do it, put it over there. So hopefully by the time when I get there, the fact I even say hopefully means that it's just not going to take place. And by the time I get to that Tuesday, I'm giving a reason and a space for something to take place. Nothing, you know? I didn't say, Tuesday at nine o'clock, I'm going to sit down and do this thing for 10 minutes. That's intention. You have to be super intentional about when you want to change because guess what? You're going to go against a lot of tides within yourself. You're going to have to row that boat through the waves, through the storms, you're going to have to keep rowing, you can't give up, your boat will just float right back to where you came from, you know, so just remember some of these things that I have spoken about within this podcast, your emotion is attached to every single thing that you do, and then within that you can also get attached to that, you know, your habits tell a story about who you are 
You know, if you say you want change, your habits will tell a story whether you really want change or not. And your behaviour is a result of how you feel and what is happening to you at that time. It's a projection of how you see that circumstance, you know. So when people are happy, you know it how it goes. When you're with your friend who's on a high and you're with them, you're on a high too. But if you meet your friend, you're on a high and they're like, no, I'm not feeling it. Immediately, your energy drops. And that's literally how powerful it is. That is literally how powerful it is. So I want you to consider, what area of your life are you looking to change? What area of your life would you like to be more intentional about? You know, and create really good habits and try and stick it out. One area of my life that I wanted to change was my consistency. In terms of if I say I'm going to do something, stick to it. And 2020, I could say I've done well so far. (laughs) Who knows what next week will hold. But also when I drop off, I give myself a slap and I keep going. I don't say, oh, you're terrible. You can't do it anymore. Oh, forget it. Oh, dream's over. No. I made a mistake. I've dropped off. Slap. Okay. What did I learn from that? Okay, cool, let's get back on. There's no harm in doing that. There's no harm in doing that. Change means you're going to grow, you're going to flow. Change means you're going to be disrupted and distracted. You're going to end up being very uncomfortable. But being uncomfortable means you can grow. You know? Being uncomfortable means that you can grow. I'm hoping that this podcast today is going to really make you think about the things you you attach yourself to the things that you're going for in your life the memories that you have stored about yourself or that have been stored and are possibly dismantling your life without even knowing it your habits and then off the back of that your behavior does it represent you say you want to be successful does your behavior represent success You say you want to be um, healed. Does your behavior represent wanting to be healed? Last year, well, where we, a while back now, I said I wanted a new home. Did my behavior represent wanting a new home? Yes, I worked my butt off. I did what I had to do to make that happen. Did it happen? Yes. The result, happy. Behavior, happy. Joyous. (laughs) Yeah? So let's just really do check ourselves about some of the things that have taken place in our lives that wasn't our fault. We don't have to live being the victim anymore. You now have the choice to be victorious. Wow, wow, wow. What a powerful session on the uncomfortable truth about change. I'm really hoping that you super enjoyed that and it got your mind thinking and got your thoughts beginning to look at the process of how your change is going to be. I hope that there was useful strategies in there and I hope that you're going to go on to begin to morph from your caterpillar stage and grow into the beautiful butterflies that I know you are. Thank you once again for listening and I hope to catch you next time.